0: Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, Week 16 Game-by-Game Preview Edition. I'm your host, Ian Hart. It's happy Week 16. Always a great day to be great, especially when we're just one more win away for getting that fantasy championship round. As always, our goal here is to win you guys those fantasy championships, so I hope we are well on that path. And with that, let's continue going right down that path and win this semifinal round. If you guys have paid any attention at all this week to social media, talking heads, the news, whatever. You've undoubtedly heard about the brutal weather sweeping across the country. That said, guys, we have a great person in our industry to help us figure some of this stuff out. His name is Kevin Roth. He is the lead meteorologist over at Roto Grinders. You can find his work rotogrinders.com weather slash NFL. Has some awesome premium stuff he does as well, but you can get his base forecast for free. And I was able to use a lot of that stuff to help with the weather updates here, both in this podcast and also a column I am writing uh, that will be live on PFF on Thursday so at Kevin Roth WX on Twitter appreciate a true meteorologist helping us get through again a slate that is literally going to be impacting 20 of the 32 games with some form of weather or the other so going to be going through each and every game as we always do on this edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast and I'll be sure to let you guys know which ones are being impacted enough by weather where you should actively downgrade the players involved so with all that said let's start things off with one of the those games. On Thursday Night Football, the Jaguars at the Jets. It is a pick at this point. The game total resting at a lowly 36, tied for the second lowest mark outside of that Saints-Browns matchup. So, yes, this is bad, bad, bad weather here. This is actually not the coldest game on the slate. It is going to be in the 50-degree range, but 100% chance of precipitation throughout the game, and we also have wind speeds of 15-plus miles per hour, maybe even getting to that sweet 20 spot. And by sweet 20 spot, I mean when you see winds over 20 20 miles per hour it is very bad for all pass catchers involved so it's a shame because of how damn good Trevor Lawrence and his Jaguars offense have been operating ever since their week 11 bye really he take these last four weeks of action Trevor Lawrence number one quarterback in PFF passing grade number one in passer rating pick your favorite passing stat and there's a good chance he's going to be up near the top of the leaderboard but when all of a sudden we have a matchup against Sauce Gardner and company, it does warrant downgrading him just a little bit. So Trevor Lawrence, someone that I think is really starting to break his way into next year's top six quarterback conversation. The more I do look at the weather this week and just get concerned about that overall matchup, I am going to be starting guys like Dak Prescott, like Joe Burrow, like Lamar Jackson, just ahead of T-Law. Still would take him over, Kirk Cousins, Tom Brady, Geno Smith, and folks like that. Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, still top 26 wide receivers for me. I'm not completely losing my mind about the weather for them or tough matchup in large part because we've seen both these guys with ease, you know, attack the underneath areas of the field throughout the year. Both of them have some sub 10 yard average target depths, which, hey, would make sense if they're able to hopefully overcome these conditions and matchups with more high percentage, shorter throws. Final note for the Jaguars, Travis Etienne. Hasn't been the prettiest second half. I get that. A little bit injury-induced, a little bit. Just Bad luck and also not catching that many passes but that said six straight non injured games where ETN has had at least 73% of the offensive snaps and with that sort of workload it is tough to move him too far down the ranks so he is coming off a top 20 finish last week against the Cowboys wouldn't be surprised if he keeps on keeping on I would start ETN this week ahead of guys like Alvin Kamara Dave Montgomery Zonovan Knight JK Dobbins who honestly have pretty similar roles to him in terms of what we're kind of expecting from a volume standpoint but ETN's on the field more often, so I think he has a slightly higher ceiling. On the Jets side of things, I'm expecting Garrett Wilson to catch some shadow treatment from Tyson Campbell. And I wouldn't blame any of you guys for not having you know much of an idea of who. Tyson Campbell is still pretty new on the scene in terms of being one of the league's better shadow cornerbacks, but he's been just that this season. PFF's ninth highest graded cornerback in pure coverage grade. Look, he got toasted by Devontae Adams about a month ago, 146 yards and two touchdowns. But otherwise, guys, he shadowed Mike Williams, Cortland Sutton, Demarcus Robinson, and Michael Gallup. Only allowed one freaking catch to eat of those guys. That said, Garrett Wilson, not exactly the easiest guy to lock up. I remember some of the Jets players, I don't know if it was training camp or shortly into the season, but they were comparing Garrett Wilson to Justin Jefferson just because of how terrified they thought some of the opposing cornerbacks were to actually match up with him in man coverage, and you see that reflected now through 15 weeks of action. 2.66 yards per out run against man compared to 1.86 against zone. Garrett Wilson, it's a tough matchup, but you know what? He's had plenty of those tough matchups. Over the past month and a half, 75-plus receiving yards in six of his last seven games, I am still firing up Garrett Wilson as a recommended start, top 24 wide receiver. That said, having Zach Wilson under center, having these weather concerns, that's why Garrett Wilson knows could be a little bit closer to the wide receiver two borderline as opposed to the wide receiver one. Final note here with Zonovan Knight, guys. I know last week wasn't pretty, but let's face it. This Detroit Lions run defense has been a lot better over the second half of the season. I'm not completely fading Zonovan because of one bad game, especially when you look at this upcoming schedule. I mean, we got this matchup against the Jaguars, and then next week I believe it's another juicy one because we actually only have, I believe, the other one it's Zonovan Knight and Zach Moss for the Colts have the two easiest schedules here down the stretch so yes Zonovan against the Jaguars this week the Seahawks next week don't be surprised if we get a little bit of a comeback season from Zonovan here I have him ranked right around that top 20 spot alongside guys that again aren't going to catch a ton of passes but you can do a lot worse than 15 to 20 carries per game on the Saturday side of things, yes, folks, tons of games on Saturday. Hopefully you already realize that, but please, for the love of God, get those lineups set on Friday, Saturday morning, worst case. We have the Texans at the Titans kicking things off. Titans favored by four and a half game total at 36. So again, this is not good weather. I wouldn't put it in the same category. And by eye. I, I mean, Kevin Roth is not putting it in the same category as our worst three matchups of the week, but still not overly great. The feels like temperature is just five degrees Fahrenheit height there in Nashville, but we don't have much precipitation or wind concern. So with that in mind, just small downgrades to the everyone involved, not overly worried about it. You know, who should be overly worried about you know, some factor going on though. It's the Houston Texans defense against Derek freaking Henry who absolutely owns this team. I mean you look at his last four games against the Texans 219 yards, two touchdowns on the ground, 250 and two touchdowns 212 and two touchdowns 211 and three touchdowns and Ryan Tannehill apparently could have a tough time getting ready to go which means they're going to have more reason than ever to give Henry the ball as much as he can possibly handle if we do have Ryan Tannehill out that's going to nuke the pass game volume of everyone involved. You know, Traylon Burks is back. You know, Chiggy, even if Traylon Burks is not back. And then we're trying to go back to the um, Chiggy Oconquo side of things. We just can't do it. They do not trust Malik Willis to throw even a little bit. I mean, he actually faced his defense earlier in the season when Ryan Tannehill missed time. And he only dropped back to past 10 total times. So with Willis, you know, we saw it at Liberty. We even saw in the preseason, the guy has theoretical great fantasy upside thanks to his wheels. But we haven't seen it in the regular season just yet five carries for his 12 yards against his texans defense in his first start he played the chiefs next week and he had eight carries for 40 yards so it's not terrible rushing production but we can't have you be a complete zero as a passer that's what malik willis is right now so if Tannehill is out it's still not going to make malik a viable fantasy option On the Houston side of things, Chris Moore is really the only guy I'm at all interested in playing in this matchup, and that is contingent on Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins staying sidelined. So as always, you can check out the Friday edition of this podcast. Myself and Nick Botterford go through every single fantasy relevant injury ahead of the weekend. Yeah, so check that out later. But Chris Moore for now, still looking good. 20 targets over the past two weeks, 36% target share over that stretch. Ivan Riggs, my wide receiver, 32 this week ahead of guys like DJ Chark and all those Browns and Saints receivers involved in that mess of a game up there in Cleveland. So, again, Chris Moore, I'm not saying he's this year's a Monroe St. Brown. We saw a much longer stretch over the last six, seven weeks where the sun god was absolutely balling. But in terms of a lot of guys getting banged up in the offense and not having many other avenues to go with the ball that's what we have seen with chris moore and against this titans pass funnel defense certainly someone that i am confident enough in to slide in that recommended start wide receiver three territory Seahawks taking on the Chiefs and Arrowhead Chiefs are 10-point home favorites. Game total at 49. Similar weather to the Tennessee game where it's not ideal, but we also don't necessarily need to downgrade guys severely across the board. It is going to be feeling like negative six degrees there in Kansas City. So not ideal, but low precipitation and a wind concern. On the Seattle side of things, it seems like Tyler Lockett's going to miss at least one game with this broken finger. So that could be a nice little boost for Marquise Goodwin against this Chiefs defense that we have seen allow the fourth most PPR points per game to opposing wide receivers. So desperate, big 14-team league, three flexes or something. Marquise Goodwin, I think, can be fired up as a boomer-bust wide receiver four, but the big takeaway here is just firing up DK Metcalf as the true upside wide receiver one that we've seen him be for large portions of this season. we we'll also note that Kenneth Walker did open up the week with a DMP with an ankle injury. Hopefully, it was just more of a maintenance day than anything. If not, we just see Travis Homer have that robust 91% snap rate with Walker's sideline. That game did also come with DJ Dallas out of the picture as well so not a complete given that that would happen again and they only gave him 12 carries but that said something happens to Kenneth Walker don't be afraid to fire up up Travis Homer as more of a you know borderline RB2 but assuming Walker's fine and good to go really not worried about last week's Kinda, dud. I mean, I know he saved it based on that big catch and run there at the end, but you know what? He had a 65% route rate. That's really solid, guys. That's actually higher than what Austin Eckler had last week. So yes, targets per route. We can talk about the differences there. But with Kenneth Walker, I do think he's, you know, a bit less game script dependent than he's kind of been made out to be. He is my RB13, being well aware that the game script could go south in a hurry on the Chiefs side of things. Pretty straightforward offense at this point. We have Kelsey and Mahomes. You're obviously starting every single place, even if there's a fire. Then there's Jujus Mishuster, who if you look at his last six games, not injury pack, not injury impacted. PPR wide receiver seven, wide receiver four, wide receiver eight. One dud, wide receiver 58. That was the Bengals game where Mahomes and really nobody in the passing game could get going. And then wide receiver five, and most recently wide receiver 15. So Jujus Mishuster for me, wide receiver 13 on the week. Legit top 15 option. That I'm honestly equating to Chris Godwin and Keenan Allen at this point. What a time to be alive. Then we also have the latest star of the show, Jarek McKinnon, back-to-back overhaul RB1 finishes in full PPR scoring. And the Chiefs have responded by giving him more and more work snap rates over the last four weeks, 34%, 47%, 57%, and 62%. Now set up brilliantly once again against the Seahawks defense. That's the second worst unit in the league, and PPR points per game surrendered to opposing running backs. So bottom five specifically in receptions and receiving yards, which is where we're getting all that goodness from Jarek McKinnon. Great day to have Jared McKinnon on the squad. He is my RB14 on the week ahead of guys like Raheem Mostert, Miles Sanders, Ezekiel Elliott, Travis ETN, where we just don't have that same pass game upside. I will say, though, don't completely give up on Isaiah Pacheco yet either. Justin Fields right now has the NFL's longest streak. I believe it's eight straight games with at least 60 rushing yards, but right behind him is Isaiah Pacheco, so certainly a little more touchdown dependent than you would hope for in an offense that loves to start getting quirky, you know, inside the five-yard line with all the underhand shovels and Travis Kelsey direct snaps and whatever the hell else Andy Reid and uh, Eric Bieniemy can think up, uh, you know, after a couple puffs or something, but when you do look at Pacheco Once again, it's 15 to 20 touches. He's a 10 point home favorite. I mean, I know McKinnon's been crushing it, but don't be surprised if this could turn into a bit more of the Isaiah Pacheco performance that we were expecting last week against the Texans. Lions at the Panthers. Detroit two and a half point favorites. Game total at 44. So, once again, not perfect weather here because we have below freezing temperatures, but the no rain and wind speeds of just 12 miles per hour not going to result in big downgrades for too many guys involved. That said, we have seen consistent problems with Jared Goff performing outside of the friendly confines of a dome. I mean, since joining the Lions guys in a dome, 73.1 PFF passing grade. Outdoors 47.3. Yards per attempt drops from 7.5 to 7.1. I mean, 21 touchdowns and four interceptions in domes two freaking touchdowns and one interception outdoors so yes we have had a majority of those games come in domes so I wouldn't you know completely fade Jared Goff and company but certainly not ideal for an offense that we have seen be a little bit hit or miss throughout the season that said though Amon Ross St. Brown our one true sun god obviously firing firing him up in leagues of all shapes and sizes at this point Jamison Williams unfortunately we have not seen enough of a boom I'd be a little more concerned about Josh Reynolds may be losing his job to Jameson at one point as opposed to DJ Chark. So, Chark is someone that I do think you can play ahead of those guys in Cleveland and New Orleans. Chark is my wide receiver 33 on the week. Only final note is unfortunately, we can't really trust these running backs. If it was Swift and Jamal Williams, we could live with that. But when Justin Jackson is legitimately taking almost a third of the snaps in his own right, that's when things get complicated. So, you look at Swift specifically, since returning from injury, he's had 10 five, seven, eight, nine, 18, nine, and most recently 13 touches. So not horrendous, but that's RB3 territory, especially when we're not getting all the pass down work, Justin Jackson doing his thing. So I don't think it's terrible coaching. It's working to an extent. I mean, Jackson is averaging the most rushing yards after contact per carry among the group and the most yards per reception. So he's been just fine. So Swift, so Jamal Williams, great real life. You know, it's not it's not even a problem for the real life Lions. Just annoying for us fantasy managers because we want all those touches that we can get. With the Panthers, they are facing a Lions pass funnel defense at this point. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson and company may, really making their presence felt against the run, but we still seen Jeffrey Akuda, you know, Amani Arouarie, um, Jerry Jacobs and all those corners they have not quite hold up their end of the bargain. So I just wonder if we are going to see the Panthers actually try to attack that. Like this is one of those things where I think we'll have a pretty clear idea on if the Panthers are going to try to change their game's you know, scheme just relative to their opponent, or if they're going to say, you know, it's Panthers football, we do what we do and, you know, good luck stopping it. Because with Sam Donald on the center, 44.5% pass play rate, that would easily be the lowest in the league, even below Arthur Smith's Falcons extrapolated over an entire season. So yes, I am confident with DJ Moore against the second worst defense in the league and PPR points per game allowed to opposing wide receivers. Otherwise miss me with this passing game. Only other note with these running backs would just be the fact that, yeah, I'm really not confident in either Chuba Hubbard or Deontay Foreman. We kind of have this phenomenon sometimes where when – usage is changing we just immediately want to anoint someone because how could Deontay Foreman be this you know really solid fantasy factor and all of a sudden he's not so someone else must be ready to step up and take over that role and I don't really think that's the case guys again this is a Lions defense that's done a great job against some good running games like honestly really shutting them down over the best part of the last four to six weeks and yes I do actually favor Chuba over Deontay Foreman this week Chuba has combined 35 carries over the past three weeks and is the primary pass down back, which you would like to think they're going to utilize more often. That said, okay, 12 combined carries and targets seems like a fair projection for Chuba. That's not enough for me to crack the top 30. So with Chuba, with Deontay, they are recommended sits for me this week. I have Chuba, my RB39, and Deontay, my RB41 behind guys like Cam Akers, Antonio Gibson, and the Bills running backs. Giants at the Vikings, Minnesota favored by four point game total at a lofty 48 because we got a dumb, got to freaking love it. That said, with this Giants offense, still can't really get behind anyone in this passing game. So, Darius Slayton, even Richie James, we've seen a few spikes here or there. If you are desperate, okay, I guess you can go to them. And I'm not completely shitting on Slayton. We've given him some love on this podcast. He comes in as my wide receiver 38 this week ahead of guys like Jacoby Myers, George Pickens, Josh Palmer, amongst others. The bigger question, though, is just going to be, Can we really trust anyone in this passing game where Daniel Jones only has 12 passing touchdowns in 14 games and just two games with 225 or more passing yards all season long? So largely want to fade at this passing game despite the great matchup against old man Patrick Peterson and company. The good news is Saquon usage is back to having that elite, elite RB1 usage. I mean, if you look at week 15, there was only four running backs that actually had over 80% of their offensive snaps. We had Christian McCaffrey, James Connor, who's been an absolute workhorse over the, you know, last four to five weeks, Saquon Barkley and also Dalvin Cook. So with that sort of workload, gotta continue to fire up Saquon as the upside RB1 he was born to be. On the Minnesota side of things, it's Justin Jefferson, you know, leader in NFL, leader of the NFL in total receiving errors. He's going to be going up against Fabian Moreau, likely in shadow coverage, back-to-back beatings at the hands of Terry McLaurin here with Dory Jackson still sidelined. So you love Dalvin. You love Justin Jefferson. We know Kirk Cousins is a borderline QB1 pretty much each and every week. Also, T.J. Hawkinson auto start. It's a very straightforward offense and a reasonable enough matchup. The last thing I would add, though, is I think Adam Thielen guys deserves a solid starting treatment. Like I am absolutely starting Thielen ahead of some guys like Cooper, Alave, DPJ, Michael Gallup, who I don't think have the same sort of target upside. We saw this offense last week. What they are capable of doing if you keep the foot on the gas and at the friendly confines of a dome with a 48-point game total. Don't be afraid to get behind this number, usual number two pass game option in this offense. So, Thielen, over these last four weeks, wide receiver 9, wide receiver 70, one dud, and then wide receiver 11, and wide receiver 30. I do think he'll be shadowed by Nick McLeod, who has allowed the 20th highest passer rating on targets into his covers this season. I will not be drinking the KJ Osborne bounce-back Kool-Aid, not bounce-back, freaking Encore Kool-Aid, I should say. He's my wide receiver 47 this week. He's alongside guys like Mac Hollins, Curtis Samuel, Paris Campbell, who, hey, maybe they can't go ahead and boom. We saw him do it last week. Not going to assume, just because he boomed last week, though, that we're all of a sudden going to see him, you know, overtake Dylan, overtake Justin Jefferson in the target tree. I think we just saw Osborne's best game of the season. Good for him. Don't need to be point chasing. Bills at the Bears in Chicago, Buffalo favored by eight and a half points, game total resting at 40 and a half. This game is terrible. The only game with worse weather is going to be that Brown Saints matchup that we'll get to in just a bit. So there's not going to be any active precipitation, but we could get some snow gusts because wind speeds over 20 miles per hour and gusts up to 35. And oh yeah, the temperature is going to feel like negative 11. So Absolutely brutal. The second worst matchup of the week. The one good thing for these teams is that it's not going to impact the quarterbacks as much as it would otherwise. I mean, Josh Allen, 37 freaking rushing touchdowns since entering the league. That's the 10th highest mark since being drafted back in 2018. And then Justin Fields. I mean, just 207 rushing yards needed to break Lamar Jackson's single season record at the position. I am only starting Patrick Mahomes over these pair of quarterbacks. I have it ranked Mahomes. Josh Allen, Justin Fields in the ranks that you can always find updated at pff.com and on the app. With the Bills' backfield, Singletary was the leader last week, and we've seen this more times than not throughout the season. That said, Naeem Hines has gone up and now down. James Cook has started to split things more evenly than ever. I would try to avoid playing any of these Bills' backs if at all possible. I don't have any of them inside of my top 30. Really, the only other Bills player I want to play other than Josh Allen is going to be Stefan Diggs. So this isn't quite as atrocious as, again, some of these other matchups on the Bills' side of the ball specifically because they're still implied to score a solid enough 24.75 points that's the sixth highest team implied total in week 15 so from that standpoint Josh Allen and who's the number one pass game option Stefan Diggs I'm fine trusting them it's more so the complimentary guys that I do not want to get involved with so if there is a quarterback in the NFL capable of rifling that football through some 35 mile per hour wind gusts it is Josh Allen and hey we saw that Not only last week in a game that didn't have the worst weather, but last season in that Patriots game where Mac Jones threw the ball three times, the Bills were still willing to let Josh Allen rack up, I believe, 28 pass attempts in that one. On the bear side, of things already talked about fields and how we're feeling good about that, but David Montgomery, guys, without Khalil Herbert over these past four weeks, PPR RB6, RB21, RB12, and then another RB6 finish last week. So the Bills have been pretty good against the run, but I still think a lot of that dominance, more so towards the for- first half of the season as opposed to, you know, life without Von Miller here over the last four to six weeks. So with Khalil Herbert likely returning from that hip injury, it's a slight downgrade to David Montgomery, but it hasn't exactly been like this James. James Connor, ninety percent snap roll for Dave Montgomery over all these games. I still have him as my RB21 right there alongside guys like Zonovan Knight, like J.K. Dobbins, like Najee Harris. They're running backs that should see 15 to 20 carries and aren't going to be getting used all that much in the passing game. So should Herbert come back, it's not ideal for David Montgomery. But again, we've already seen Darrington Evans and to a lesser extent, Tristan Ebner, stay involved in this backfield. Not overly concerned with Montgomery, continue to fire him up as a volume-based RB2. Bengals at the Patriots since he favored by three points game total resting at a pretty low 41 and a half. Not great weather. It will be around 24 degrees without too much precipitation and wind. But you guys have seen that winter in Foxborough. So I'm not actively downgrading anyone here because we don't have the huge wind red flag like we do elsewhere. Just realize probably not going to be all that fun to be suiting up and playing in that one. On the Bengals side of things, it's not the easiest pass game matchup, but then again, guys, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. These guys got us here, and we're going to continue to ride the bus with them, hopefully, to the fantasy championship. The one guy who, again, you're not benching, but how just temper expectations for a little bit is going to be Joe Mixon because he has had, unfortunately, a lesser pass game role since returning from that concussion. In weeks one through nine, Mixon ran around on 56% of the offensive dropbacks. Samaje Piran just 25%. In week 14, though, just 42%. 42%. And week 15, just 45%. So Piran has been maintaining a lot more involvement in the passing game since Mixon returned. Does this mean you shouldn't start Mixon? Of course not. He's my RB11 on the week. But honestly, similar to a reason why I was a little bit lower on Mixon and Nick Chubb. Yeah, that one didn't exactly work out. But, you know, the process was right. He yelled. With these guys, they're more so low-end RB ones when they don't have that full-time three-down role where they do also get all the targets. So yes, when Joe Mixon is gonna go ahead and score five freaking touchdowns, whatever it was that one time, he'll be just fine. And with Nick Chubb, again, the you know the idea of fading them—it's not like you're ranking them freaking RB 20 or anything. They're both top 12 running backs. They've been that way for me all season. But again, you take away that pass-down role, and that's the difference between guys like Ramondre Stevenson, Saquon Barkley, and more one-dimensional, sadly, early down grinders. With the Patriots, speaking of Ramondre, fully back in the good favor and should hopefully have that whole other week to get even healthier. So he's my RB5 on the week. You cannot show me a lineup that should have Ramondre anywhere near that bench. And then we just got to see what's going on in this passing game. But similar to the Giants, guys, there's just not enough meat on the bone for me to be overly interested here, even if we can condense the targets. So Mac, just one game all season with multiple touchdowns. He hasn't cleared 250 passing yards in seven of his last eight games. If Devontae Parker returns from the concussion protocol. It's going to be more crowded than ever. So, unfortunately, last week, I mean, Tyquan Thornton and Nelson Aguilar—they were the full-time receivers. Whereas Jacoby Myers didn't even get the full-time role in the slot with a lot of two-tight end formations. So, we'll see. Again, not the prettiest game. The Patriots haven't been giving us much at all in the passing game all season long. Ramondre Stevenson, otherwise, miss me with the Patriots. Falcons at the Ravens. Baltimore favored by seven and a half points. Game total at 37 and a half. So similar in New England, not great weather. It's going to feel like seven degrees here, but not enough precipitation or wind to be overly concerned here. More so concerned about who the hell is going to be throwing the football for these teams. For Atlanta, it is going to be Desmond Ritter once again, but are they actually going to trust him? I kind of doubt it because last week did not look great. The problem is this defense, like the Titans, like who's the other one like the Lions Lions Titans and Ravens you can argue are the three biggest pass funnel defenses in the NFL because of how much they stack and just really take away the opponent's run game and accordingly get diced up through the air so you look at the Browns last week they did run for 143 yards against the Ravens But before that guys 44 48 36 38 88 and 65 total rushing yards allowed so I have a hard time seeing Cordero Patterson or Tyler Algier making too much happen against this defense so i no, Algiers has been this sexy name that we've been hyping up on the waiver wire uh, podcast and all that. I just can't get behind these guys in such a tough matchup as legit top 30 options. So I do have CPAT right there as the RB30. I guess that technically does make him a top 30 option. Excuse me. Tyler you behind him at RB33. But give me guys like Rashad White, like Zach Moss, like Leonard Fournette, even Latavius Murray, who I just think have a higher touch ceiling, aren't going to be held down quite as much in such a run-first offense and no target volume available. The good news is the target volume that is available has mostly been going to Drake London. 23 total targets over the last two games. And as 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 that Ritter performance was, he did, did still manage to get London seven catches for 77 yards. So I would be playing London ahead of those aforementioned players, in Cleveland and New Orleans. If you guys can notice the trend, if I feel at all good about a guy's volume, at all good about their ability or matchup, I am likely going to be ranking them ahead of that mess that we will get to in just a second. On the Raven side of things, I mean, again, this is a passing game that I think we all could agree before the season started. Wide receiver room specifically bottom five unit in the league. Okay, maybe Rashad Bateman could break out and really be something, but we didn't know that. It was Bateman, Duvernay, and what? Like Demarcus Robinson, James Prochet, unironically a starting wide receiver to start the year. Just wasn't good. They bring in Deshaun Jackson, and they're having him run underneath routes out there. So Patrick Ricard, you know, running wheel routes. It has not been pretty for this passing game, and now you take away Devin Duvernay, who suffered a season-ending injury in practice this week. It has just been brutal. So this team now has under 200 passing yards and nine of their Last eleven games, yes, Demarcus Robinson. You can bump him up a little bit. That said, I still have a hard time between him and guys like George Pickens and Josh Palmer. I would rather take the passing games. I've shown just a little bit of upside throughout this season. Once again, with not the most ideal weather conditions either, can't completely trust his passing game, especially if Tyler Huntley is once again going to be under center. I know we were hopeful that Lamar Jackson would be back for this week sixteen matchup, but he started off the practice. He started off the week with a DMP on one. Wednesday still getting back from that PCL sprain so I'm not exactly lining up to fire up Lamar as his top five quarterback when he's back guys like okay ahead of Trevor Lawrence because his weather situation is really brutal but I would still start guys like Joe Burrow, Dak Prescott, Tua, Herbert, Fields, Allen Mahomes starting all those guys ahead of Lamar Jackson this week because kind of lost in how bad Tyler Huntley in this passing game was last week is the reality that Lamar Jackson and the Ravens weren't exactly firing on all cylinders either before he got injured. I mean, since week four, weeks four to week 13, one finish inside the top 10 for Lamar Jackson. Hasn't consistently been a great day to be great there in the run game. J.K. Dobbins looked healthier than he has all season last week, which is fantastic. But still, guys, 39% snaps, 13 carries. I mean, Justice Hill almost outsnapped J.K. Dobbins, and we still got Gus Edwards there having seven carries in his own right. So I just have a really hard time trusting running backs that are getting around 15 carries, and that's it. There's no pass game work ever in Baltimore for these running backs. And, yes, Dobbins, he's not someone you need to fade by any stretch of the imagination, but he comes in as a low-end RB2 for me. Behind the guys they are just – I should say right alongside guys like Zonovan Knight, Najee Harris, and Latavius Murray. I would start guys like Raheem Mostert, Miles Sanders, Zeke Etienne ahead of him because I think they have higher overall touch ceilings and or in better offenses. So more volume and a better offense, more touchdowns, opportunities. Sound like something you might be interested in? I am. Now, for the main event, the worst weather game ever. Maybe not ever, but, you know, it's definitely not a good one. Saints at the Browns. Cleveland, two-and-a-half point favorites. Game total, 32-and-a-half. Shout out to Action Network's Evan Abrams. If the total closes at 31-and-a-half or lower, it would be the lowest over-under since a Bengals-Browns game back in 2008. That closed at 31 points. That game ended in a 14-nothing shutout. So, that's what we're dealing with here, guys. Horrific weather, 14 degrees, 28% chance of precipitation. Okay, that's not horrendous, but this is 20 to 30 miles per hour sustained winds with gusts up to 40 miles per hour. The forward pass could be very difficult for out-of-team to be completing at all downfield this week. Wouldn't be surprised at all if we get run-centric strategies out of Coach Kevin Stefanski, who's been here before. If you remember in 2020, we really had to adjust a lot of Baker-Mayfield stats in the whole passing game because they had three straight brutal weather games against the Raiders, Texans, and Eagles. Baker only threw 25, 20, and 22 pass attempts in those matchups and it's funny. Brown's a beat reporter, Mary Kay, uh Cabat. Cabell. Sorry, Mary. Uh, I have a a rough last name, should be better at this, but Mary Kay. Anyway, she actually cited, you know, in kind of the Watson recruitment that apparently he was a little bit hesitant about Cleveland, in part because of that game he had to play with that brutal uh, weather, but, you know, 250 million guaranteed, obviously changed some of those feelings. So, with Cleveland, yeah, we can't trust anyone here in this passing game, guys, because unfortunately I thought Deshaun would have a nice, you know, bounce back opportunity last week against the Ravens. Wasn't meant to be, and, you know, any way you want to cut it, he's been terrible since coming Back from that suspension, forty-two quarterbacks this year with the hundred-plus dropbacks. Deshaun ranks thirty-eighth in PFF passing grade, passer rating, and yards per attempt alike. Just has not been good. So Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones, David Njoku—if you have anything close to a better option, I would definitely be playing that guy again. I have all both those wide receivers buried in my low-end wide receiver three range, and maybe that's even you know a little bit too low. So maybe even that's a little bit too high, I should say. So I think Cooper and DPJ. Once you start looking at like clear-cut, you know, complimentary options or guys in bad passing games like Darius Slayton, Jacoby Myers, Michael Gallup, Romeo Dobbs, guys like that, then I think we can kind of wrap our mind around it. But please do whatever you can to not play pass catchers from this matchup. That said, all this weather, all this bad weather could be opportunity for someone. And that someone could be Kareem Hunt with Nick Chubb, guys, back-to-back DMPs to start the week with a foot injury. So still not sure on the severity. You know, you guys know how it is as a national reporter. They just repeat the injury report without giving us any actual updates on how severe the injury is. But obviously, if he's not practicing, that is not good. So Kareem Hunt, it's been kind of weird with him and Chubb, where it seems like mo- most times when Chubb gets hurt, Hunt also gets hurt. So we haven't had the largest sample. And then last year when we saw Hunt get hurt, Chubb's role didn't change all that much because it just elevated Dearness Johnson. I'm not as confident in that happening though, because the thing is, Chubb doesn't have the pass down work. That's for Hunt. But you take away Hunt and Dearness Johnson stepped up in that pass game role. Now, could Dearness step up into Chubb's run game role without Chubb? Okay, maybe, but kind of doubtful. Jerome Ford, I know he's someone we've been interested in. He's played seven total snaps this season, so not overly worried about him. The four-game sample we are working with with Kareem Hunt, though, comes from 2020 with him healthy and chubb out. And in those games, guys, he went ahead and had 23-15. 21 and 16 touches and a couple of the snap rates truly were robust 70 percent 53 and a 31 point loss where the starters were done by the fourth quarter but then 90 and 86 so the latter one though did come in one of those horrific weather games that could certainly be in play again so if nick chubb is indeed sidelined i don't know that kareem hunt immediately is someone like we're gonna put in the top five in the top six like a tony pollard if zeke is out or anything like that but i will say guys Going to be awfully difficult to keep him out of the positions top 15. So, as I look at the ranks right now, if Nick Chubb is indeed sidelined, I think I'd fire up Kareem Hunt as my overall RB10 ahead of guys like James Conner, who's got to deal with Trace McSorley under center ahead of Joe Mixon who doesn't have the same pass down work ahead of Aaron Jones who's splitting things with uh, AJ Dillon ahead of Kenneth Walker who is awfully banged up at the moment. So we we'll still start Tony Pollard, Dalvin Cook, Saquon, Stevenson, Eckler amongst other guys ahead of Kareem Hunt in that situation. But yeah, you take away Nick Chubb, very, very good things if you happen to have Hunt stashed. On the same side of things, once again do not trust his passing game i'm a big fan of the rashid shaheen you know breakout and all that the dude doesn't have more than four targets in the game all season i'm not expecting him to be catching too many more underthrown deep balls by Taysom hill with blown coverages moving forward so chris Olave, unfortunately dealing with a hamstring injury just like cooper and dpj if you have a guy with a pulse and any level of talent or a decent matchup please play them over these pass catchers with one exception he's not really a pass catcher though guys i think this might find be the Taysom Hill week that we've been chasing ever since that four touchdown performance so what other time would there be to really finally take the shackles off of Taysom and just go let Taysom be Taysom 10 plus rush attempts maybe a target or two maybe a pass or two I have Taysom Hill this week as my tight end seven behind only Travis Kelsey Mark Andrews George Kittle TJ Hawkinson Dalton Schultz and Dallas Goddard. so again If you're a legit talented tight end, featured guy in a solid passing game like those players, I would still play them ahead of Taysom Hill because, again, with that game total, the Saints are implied to score the fewest points in the week. I mean, we do love touches, but if they're touches in an offense that seemingly has little chance in hell of putting up a lot of points, those aren't as valuable. I still want those tight ends that are proven at one point or another this season to be on a different stratosphere of Taysom Hill in terms of their ability to actually play that position. I will still be playing them ahead of Taysom, but once we start at guys like Evan Ingram. Terrible weather. Chigio Okonkwo quarterback change potential, or Traylon Brooks coming back. Pat Fryer just got out-snapped by Zach Gentry. Dawson Knox, bad weather. David Njoku, bad weather. Gerald Everett dealing with the returning Donald Parham. That's where I'm going to go ahead and take Taysom Hill's guaranteed rush attempts with the potential for a hell of a lot more in a matchup that certainly seems to be swinging his way. So, five straight weeks with at least a 40% snap rate after not clearing that at all during the first two months of the season. Five. 5.3 rush attempts per game. He's having 6.6 yards per carry on the season. Guys, I am all in on Taysom Hill this week. Commanders at the 49ers. San Francisco favored by 7 points. Game total at of lowly 38 because I guess Vegas just doesn't like these offenses because the weather is all good in San Fran. So really tough matchup for this Washington run game. Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson. Hopefully you got some good run out of Robinson in particular over the last several weeks. Not really last week, but you know before that things were going good because we are not going to be recommending starting them in this one. Number one in fantasy points for game allowed to opposing running backs Nick Bosa and company are 100 106 fewer rushing yards allowed to opposing running backs this year. So I don't want anything to do with that run game. Terry McLaurin is really going to be the only recommended start here. But even that's not going to be easy. I'm expecting a shadow matchup between Terry McLaurin and Charvarius Ward. He's done a really good job these last two weeks on Mike Evans, 44 scoreless yards. And then more recently, DK Metcalf, 55 scoreless yards, getting awfully physical along the way. But man, shadow cornerbacks have nightmares about Terry McLaurin, guys. He has had this year eight separate instances where he's been shadowed by a number one cornerback and he has cleared 70 yards each and every time. Fabio Moreau twice, Darius Slay twice, who went over 100 yards on twice, Jair Alexander 73 yards and a touchdown, Stephon Gilmore 113 yards, also got the better of Christian Fulton for the Titans and Jeffrey Okuda with the Lions, more plays than not. So again, Terry McLaurin consistently is beating the top number one shadow cornerbacks out there, cannot be overly concerned about any matchup with him, more so just a Taylor Heineke experience could that be terrible yes but Terry boomer bust wide receiver too that we know is capable of booming on the 49ers side of things Brock Purdy multiple touchdowns in all three of his extended appearances this season thanks in large part to the 49ers plethora of skill position talent so Nathan Yonke and I talked a lot about what to do without Jalen Hurts on the waiver wire edition of this podcast but here it is again after the again I have Thirteen quarterbacks ranked. Where it's like, okay, feeling pretty good about these guys. They're healthy. They're in reasonable enough uh, weather. Or I've, or I've at least gotten over it. Thanks, you know, their rushing ability. We talked about that with Fields and Herbert. And then when we have guys like Tom Brady, uh, Aaron Rodgers, and Geno Smith, it's just a sort of game formats, potential back and forth scoring, or in Brady's case, just the league where scoring defense. Where I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt here. So after those kind of clear cut guys, the top streaming options for those Jalen Hurts teams that are hopefully available number one daniel jones i'm not sure if he's available same thing with number two jared goff they're more of like the 50 range so if they are available give me those guys but after that guys gardner Minshew, brock purdy zach wilson are the top three recommended waiver ads of the week so Minshew, purdy and wilson go get them if you need some help at the position Again, pass catchers, George Kittle feeling great after that two touchdown performance. Continue to fire him up as that top three tight end that we know he can be anytime he gets a good amount of targets. And also, don't completely give up on Brandon Ayuk here. I know last week wasn't good, but you know what? When we have a game where McCaffrey and the run game really getting going from the beginning, not all surprising that we did only see one guy really step up in the passing game. So, Ayuk still feeling good. Kittle, McCaffrey just fire up the studs in San Fran. Eagles at the Cowboys. Dallas, four-and-a-half-point home favorites. Game total of 47. We got that roof in Jerry World. Not worried about any of that weather. We are worried about Jalen Hurts' shoulder, though looking more and more likely that Gardner Minshew will be under center for the first time this season. He was a fantasy QB 10 and QB 18 and two starts with the Eagles last year. And yeah, guys, he's a perfectly average quarterback. I don't know about, you know, I've heard, uh, I wanted this, uh, the couch of my guy Sigmund yesterday, football guys. You guys should check that out. I tweeted out the link um, on Twitter yesterday, but I think Sig's point was that maybe he could be this Geno Smith guy that steps up afterwards. And hey, maybe. That's fine. I think Gardner has that in his potential range of uh, outcomes moving forward. I want him to, though, guys, become this era's Ryan Fitzpatrick. Give me Minshew on freaking 15 teams over the next 15 years, constant backup who ends up maybe beating out some bad starters or just comes in and is a lot of fun for one or two game spurts at a time. So, honestly, with Minshew, said this down the waiver wire, but I'm confident in him because he's being dropped into arguably the best offensive environment in the entire NFL. I took the average PFF grades for rushing, receiving, run blocking, and pass blocking. Everything except pure passing. And the Eagles had the highest combined team average of anybody out there. Chargers were the worst last time I checked. So that sucks for Justin Herbert. But he is keeping on, keeping on. So Gardner mentioned for me, again, my top. Most likely available quarterback streaming option in place of Jalen Hurts. Feeling good about A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, a returning Dallas Goddard, and Miles Sanders as well, especially Sanders with Jalen obviously not factoring quite as much into the running game. Gardner not factoring as much as Jalen. You guys know what I'm saying. With the Cowboys now. Can we chill the hell out on Dak? This is unbelievable. The Cowboys just gave up 41 freaking points on a pick six that hit his receiver's hands. And all of a sudden we have, I guess, people unironically calling for Cooper Rush. Come on, man. Since Dak got back, this offense has scored 24, 49, 28, 40, 28, 54, 27, and then 34 points. So yeah, Dak's awesome. And he's gotten really unlucky this year with some of those interceptions. So I went ahead and I looked at, Interceptions that were not deemed turnover-worthy plays by PFF. So We're talking about balls that got tipped at the line, that hit the receiver in the chest, and then bounced right into a defender. Maybe defenders made a spectacular play on a ball. He had no business coming anywhere near. So four quarterbacks, again, with six of those interceptions – Dak Prescott, Joe Burrow, who you've seen a ton of that from, Justin Herbert, and even Davis Mills. Yet yeah, Brandon Cooks has not been doing him many favors on those throughout this year. So Dak, CeeDee Lamb, Dalton Schultz fire him up with all the confidence in the world. Michael Gallup, more of a boom or most likely bust wide receiver four, and Zeke and Pollard feeling good. Five straight games with 15 plus touches for each. They are making it work. Saturday Night Football, Raiders at the Steelers. Pittsburgh, two and a half point favorites, game total at 39. Another one of these where it is cold, it's going to feel like negative four degrees Fahrenheit out there, but not enough precipitation or wind to be overly concerned about these passing games. So, with the Raiders, pretty straightforward. Devontae, Josh Jacobs, you're firing them up everywhere. We can't quite get behind these incoming guys that just got back from injury, though. Hunter Renfro, 59% route rate. Darren Waller, just 66%. They're easing both back into action. Maybe not even Renfro they just seem really high on Mac Hollins who was pretty damn close to having a huge week in week 15 week high in unrealized air yards he is their field stretcher for whatever reason hey the Steelers have allowed the fifth most receiving yards to opposing wide receivers on the year so DFS you're a desperate flex I do think Mac Hollins deserves that similar boomer bust wide receiver for treatment as Michael Gallup on the Steelers' side of things, it is looking like Kenny Pickett should be there. I think he still has to clear a concussion protocol, but Mike Tallman told us he is expecting to start. So that's good and you know, should hopefully keep things going for the passing game because Deontay Johnson, guys, wide receiver 25 and wide receiver 11 over the last two weeks. Hopefully, we continue to see him get peppered with targets and make a little bit more out of them than he has before, but... Let's face it, this still is a Steelers offense we've seen far more bad than good from throughout this season. Really, it's Deontay as a wide receiver three. Najee Harris as a borderline RB2. Not really his fault, but he had zero targets last week. Allegedly, one of the better pass-catching running backs in football. Zero targets last week. Cannot have that. Even Pat Fryham playing through the pain not ideal still at a 74% route rate last week so when he's out there they're throwing the ball and that's all we really care about care about but guys Zach Gentry freaking out snapped him Zach Gentry been talking about this with Dwayne for since freaking last summer it's so weird I don't know why he continues to actually like unironically factor in these game plans does seem to be at least somewhat injury related so we have was someone that again I would play taste some hell ahead of I'm not completely bumping down the ranks but he does come in as my tight end 10 not something I think you need to force in the lineups on the Sunday Christmas day action Packers are at the Dolphins Miami favored by four points game total of 49 and a half so weather isn't perfect we have a 42 percent chance of rain but temps and wind are fine 49 and a half point game total. That's the highest of the week. We are liking both of these offenses. So good news for the Packers. AJ Dillon already clear concussion protocol. Seems to be just fine for Sunday. And yeah, we'll see about this passing game. Actually looked pretty good last week. Aside from that horrendous interception that Aaron Rodgers threw. Man, you know, you see him roll out. Huge pocket, has an open receiver, just completely sailed it over Alan Lazard's head. So, the only problem I would say, and just thing to note, I know Romeo Dobbs, he caught all five of his targets. He looked good out there. He was not even close to a full time role. He was actually the fourth Packers wide receiver behind Christian Watson, Alan Lazard, and Randall Cobb. So, can't trust Dobbs. Go back to, you know, Christian Watson as a boomer bust wide receiver, too. Honestly, like, look, yeah, he wasn't able to get it going last week. He missed Aaron Rodgers, sneaky little, coy little audible out there but still someone that we've seen have far more good games than bad over the past two months of action. And again, this has the potential to be the highest scoring game of the week. I am perfectly fine going back to well with Christian Watson. Alan Lazard also not the worst deep wide receiver for option. On the Dolphin side of things, we know the passing game is elite. Waddle, Hill, Tua should be auto starts in pretty much all leagues out there. The running back situation is what is going to be worth monitoring. So Raheem Mostert unfortunately was not spotted at practice on Wednesday. I'm recording this at 3.24 on Wednesday afternoon. So hopefully we have more information about that soon. But yeah, obviously not ideal for someone that, let's face it, hasn't exactly been the most, you know, the, I should say the least injury prone running back in the NFL over the past few seasons. Just a situation situation. situation where, yeah, we hope he's going to be fine, but if not, maybe Jeff Wilson's back and then all of a sudden is taking over that role. So Wilson's still working through that hip injury. If we do see Raheem Mostert come back to practice, no injury designation, everything's fine, I am going to fire him up as a top 15 option at the position. Because you look at it last week, guys, 77% snaps, 70% routes, and looked explosive doing it. So on that route rate, you only have one target, but that is a huge route rate for a running back. Only Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey, and James Conner had higher marks in Week 15. So Packers have allowed the fifth-most rushing yards to opposing running backs. Again, monitor this injury, but Raheem Mostert, in this offense in its potential shootout as a home favorite going right back to the well with them this week with confidence broncos are at the rams denver two and a half point favorites game total at a lowly 36 and a half uh the weather's fine these teams just suck so vegas was like screw you here's your 36 and a half point game total luckily we at least have some condensed um touch usage going on on both sides of the ball. Latavius Murray, 25 combined carries and targets versus the Aaron Donaldless Rams defense. Hey, they've allowed 165 and 138 rushing yards over the last two weeks. So don't go crazy, but I'm off my, you know, okay, Latavius Murray, we're fading you even because of, even with all that volume you got, He's my RB24. On the week, I would start Murray ahead of Leonard Fournette, Isaiah Pacheco, Zach Moss, and A.J. Dillon. I still lean a little bit more towards guys like Najee Harris, J.K. Dobbins, and Zonovan Knight. Let's face it, this Broncos offense still doesn't exactly have the benefit of the doubt. And Jerry Judy is someone that you can fire up as a rock solid wide receiver three if Corlin Sutton does remain sidelined. Judy's my wide receiver 28 ahead of Adam Thielen, Marquise Brown, Drake London, amongst others. Not expecting him to get that Jalen Ramsey shadow treatment. Only DeAndre Hopkins Metcalf and Devontae Adams have this season. On the Ram side of things, this Broncos pass defense is so good. We do not want to mess with Tyler Higby, 2-2 Atwell, any of those pass catchers involved. Sorry, Baker. The one guy we can kind of get behind is Cam Akers, guys. He's had pretty damn good usage. I mean, last week, 74% snaps and 59% routes, which is almost identical to the sort of uses that we saw Josh Jacobs get. So last three weeks, 18, 13, and 15 touches. He's right around that RB3 territory. I would play Cam Akers ahead of the Washington running and Washington running backs and even the Carolina Panthers running backs. Hey, I know, bad season, but we're playing week 16. We're not playing weeks 1 through 15. Don't let, you know, your can makers disappointment from earlier in the season, potentially distract from him being a low-key solid flex in at this home spot. Sunday night football, we got the Buccaneers at the Cardinals. Tampa Bay favored by 6.5 points. Game total out of lowly 41, despite being in a dome should the Cardinals decide to shut that roof. So the good news is we have seen this Tampa Bay offense at least not be quite as atrocious in recent weeks i mean we've seen tom brady three top 13 finishes in the past four games chris goblin hasn't had a finish worse than the wide receiver 37 since he returned from injury in week four yes mike evans it's been rough hasn't finished better than wide receiver 25 since week 8 10 straight scoreless games my bull call of the week that i'll deny if it goes wrong mike evans scoring two touchdowns against the cardinals league or scoring defense if it's right you heard it here first also, with the backfield guys, since Leonard Fournette, retu- Re- Leonard Fournette returned from injury, RB16, RB23, last week RB31, Rashad White, RB9, RB18, and RB47. So neither guy has this, you know, rock solid RB1 or even an RB2 floor, but there's enough pass game volume to go around that we're usually feeling good about these guys. So I might even have to bump them up a little bit more just relative to some of the stuff that we've been talking about. I think Leonard Fournette, probably the more I think about, deserves to go ahead of some of these more one-dimensional backs. I'm going to bump Fournette up to my RB21 one ahead of guys like Zonovan Knight, J.K. Dobbins, Najee Harris, Latavius Murray, who simply don't have the same pass game volume. Rashad White just doesn't seem to, he's not getting the same routes as Fournette. And let's be honest, Fournette, kind of a badass in pass protection. I mean, we remember that viral hit he had on Michael Parsons back in week one. So unfortunately, Rashad White just not quite involved enough, more of a mid-tier RB3 for me than anything. On the cardinal side of things, we have gotten confirmation that it's not going to be Colt McCoy. It was going to be Trace McSorley under center, and this sucks. I am now not going to be recommending starting Marquise Brown. I'll probably even bump him behind those Cleveland and Saints options. That's how dire things could be with Trace McSorley under center. I mean, the guy's only completed 46% of his career passes, and he combines that with a Kyler-esque attitude towards scrambling the football. So it's not good. I still do think DeAndre Hopkins, who we've seen, just be so consistent since returning from that suspension. Hopkins as the clear-cut number one pass game option in this offense is still going to be tough to keep outside that top 24. Currently looking at my ranks, i probably go ahead and fire him up. Right around that wide receiver 18, 19 spot. So, guys like Mike Williams, Terry McLaurin, T Higgins, Keenan Allen, Juju, Chris Goblin, I'd probably be starting all of them ahead of DeAndre Hopkins, but still a quality low end RV2. Honestly, the best play in Arizona now is probably James Conner, absolute workhorse over these past six weeks of action. Literally almost never leaving the field out here. One of the only, pretty much the only running back that has a chance to actually play 100% of his team snaps during any given week. So he has the workload of like legit the best running back in the NFL. But as we know, in a Trace McSorley-led offense, not exactly a reality that we should be chasing. So Connor is going to come in as a low-end RB1 for me. I would play him ahead of guys that just simply don't have the same Past game upside like Joe Mixon, even Aaron Jones, Kenneth Walker, Raheem Mostert, amongst others. And Finally, Monday Night Football, Chargers at the Colts, LAC, four and a half point game, four and a half point favorites, game total resting at 46. Once again, got a dome, got to love engineers with the Chargers, Keenan Allen, 37 targets over the past three weeks since returning from injury. He's been the wide receiver, 19, 22, 11, 9, and 19 in full PPR scoring. I have Keenan Allen and Chris Goffman right next to each other as volume hog borderline wide receiver ones. And, full PPR scoring Mike Williams is the one that gets downgraded just a little bit anticipating a shadow matchup with Stefan Gilmore who yeah let's face it not exactly the guy you want to be facing as a contested catch artist that said you start looking at guys like Christian Kirk Garrett Wilson in the bad weather games you know DJ Moore Christian Watson maybe offenses that we're not feeling quite as good about and don't have Justin Herbert under center Mike Williams for me the brilliant robust wide receiver too that he was put on this planet to be With the Colts, Matt Ryan benched once again. Something goes wrong in Indy. Just blame it on the quarterback and move on. Seems to work work for Frank Reich. And now Jeff Saturday, obviously, taking after him. So, going to be Nick Foles under center. Um, Yeah, Reggie Wayne, You still throwing up about Matt Ryan, reminding you of Peyton? I do not think so. Michael Pittman's okay. But beyond that, guys, we just got to be really careful here. Yeah, we've seen Nick Foles have some highs over the years and also some painful lows. There's a reason why they went to Sam Ellinger before him back in you know the Frank Reich end of that era in the first place so Michael Pittman someone that I am going to be having as still of a you know mid-tier wide receiver three I don't it's a kind of a similar situation to DeAndre Hopkins I will have Hopkins ahead of Pittman but there's so much potential volume on the table for Michael Pittman that you can't put him too low in the ranks otherwise though I don't want anything to do with his passing game only other big note is going to be this rushing attack so I have actually gotten a more positive outlook on Zach Moss now not getting carried away. He's still, you know, a mid-tier RB3 for me. I play guys like Leonard Fournette, Latavius Murray, Najee, Dobbins, even Isaiah Pacheco ahead of Zach Moss this week, but I'm not as worried about Jordan Wilkins coming back. Nathan Yonke made a good point when I was talking to him on the waiver pod. I mean, when Deion Jackson had the big game after Taylor and I think Naeem Hines I think Taylor was already hurt, and then Naeem Hines got hurt. Like, they didn't have an early-down back, really, that could take that role available for the game that Deion went out there and just balled out. And Then they did actually elevate Jordan Wilkins for another one of those games, I believe the second Sam Ellinger start, and that's when we saw the Deion Jackson duds. So, in this case, Zach Moss really was brought into the fold to be that early-down guy. That's why he was active, and that's why when Jonathan Taylor went down, he got the early-down work, and it was Deion Jackson getting the pass-down stuff. Even though Jordan Wilkins is going to be active, I mean, the fact that he was inactive last week tells us that Zach Moss is ahead of him on the depth chart, and when they're both early down, guys, I'm not assuming it's going to all of a sudden become this three-back committee, so not a given by any stretch of the imagination, but when you combine that possibility with these great matchups, I mean, you look at it, Colts and the Jets have the softest two remaining schedules in terms of fantasy points per game allowed to opposing RBs, I am cautiously optimistic that Zach Moss can get 15-plus carries and hopefully make the most out of them out of this Joey Bosa-less Chargers defense. With that, everyone, going to wrap up another edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Appreciate you guys tuning in with us all season long. Don't be afraid to make a great play. Just, you know, maybe try to review a couple snap counts for out rates. Just don't be a complete idiot about trusting your gut here down the stretch. But again, Merry- Christmas, happy holidays, whatever you celebrate for YouTube guys out there. I'm wearing the coolest shirt ever. It's my Merry Xmas, Des Bryant Christmas sweater. Shout out on fresh young tees or something, but yeah, Dez, throwing up the X, my freaking dude, favorite player that I've ever watched play football. Again, Merry Xmas go Dez. Des caught it week 16. Let's win some fantasy championships. Thank you guys again for tuning to PFF fantasy football podcast. I'm Ian Harditz until next time. Take care, everybody.